Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Two receivers right. Here's the snap. Fake the toss. Right throw down the middle to the end zone. Flowers all alone. Touchdown, Ravens. Save Flowers in the middle of the end zone. Nine yards deep was all by his lonesome. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. It is Championship Week. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Jay Croucher. Matthew Berry's out there somewhere. Jay, good Christmas? Oh, there Fantastic he is. Fantastic Christmas. Hello, Matthew. Good to see you as well. Shame that we're not here Merry to celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas, boys. I like it when you say Matthew Berry's out there somewhere. It's, a, it's almost like... Um, I saw this on uh, NFL memes, just like uh, Brock Purdy. Ah, F it. Ravens defender is out there somewhere. <laughs> it was that kind of night for Brock Purdy. It was wasn't, a great, wasn't a great night for, uh, for Mr. Purdy. On, uh, I don't think he's going to enjoy Christmas the rest of his That's life. That's a sour Christmas. Yeah. Well, and we'll get into that in a sec. Not Matthew? only a great night for Mr. Purdy, but not a great night for those people, I don't know, that have two thumbs and also said they thought Brock Purdy would be the MVP this year. Um, so that did not work out for me. Kudos to Lamar Jackson, who uh, silenced every single critic. And uh, I think, you know, people were like, oh, who's going to win the MVP? I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure Lamar's going to win the MVP, but I know exactly who isn't. And that's Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is not going to win the MVP this year. Yeah, well, I think yeah, Brock Purdy probably has as much chance to win MVP now as uh, Sam Donald, uh, who came in and uh, ably replaced him. So, yeah, I don't think Purdy's winning that. Uh, we'll get into MVP in a bit, though, because I think it's a very interesting race now that Purdy's no longer a part of. But Lamar, I think he will very likely win the award if he beats Miami and clinches the one seed. But if he loses that game, all of a sudden it's a complete chaos market as you look at the odds on DraftKings Sportsbook. Lamar minus 160, the rightful favorite. Christian McCaffrey, 4-1. to one. I think it's going to be uphill for him. Tua, I don't see it at all with Tua at 10-1. to one. Purdy, 12-1. to one. Uh, Wouldn't back 120-1 to one on that now. Josh Allen, 16 to 1, and Dak Prescott, 20 to 1. I think Allen is the interesting one at 16 to 1 because yep. if he wins five straight games, if he beats Miami in week 18, Josh Allen has 40 total touchdowns this season. No one else in the NFL has more than 32. Lamar has 24. The thing is, if Lamar loses to Miami, like Lamar doesn't have great stats. Like it's, it's never been the stats with Lamar, it's his impact and the fact that he's the number one seed right now. But if he loses, if he kind of coughs up the number one seed to Miami, then all of a sudden I think that Josh Allen kind of gets back into the discussion. I wonder if and he's not he's not on that page. And I know you say, and I'm with you, uh, Josh Allen, like we're going to do our future segment here in a little bit, and we're going to get to fantasy, I promise you guys. Uh, we're going to get to fantasy here in one second. But I just sort of feel like that if if the Ravens lose and the Dolphins win and the Dolphins suddenly, you know, um, I guess the Dolphins can't be the number one seed, right? It's either – They win out there the one What? If Miami wins out, if they beat Baltimore and Buffalo, then they're the number one seed. What if Tyreek comes back and just has a monster last two weeks and they clinch the number one speed seed? Yep. Is Tyreek uh, back in the conversation? I think he absolutely is because ev- everyone is talking about McCaffrey, but the thing that's great about Tyreek and his chances of winning MVP is that he can knock out Lamar by himself. Like, if right. he goes in and he goes into Baltimore, beats Lamar Jackson, goes off in that game, he's right there. And all the talk now is about Lamar, but if Miami win that game, I think there is a, de- a pretty decent chance that Week 18... Buffalo-Miami 
is for the MVP between Tyreek Hill and Josh Allen. So I think this race is, Lamar's your favourite. If he beats Miami, I think that's going to be pretty open and shut for most people. But if he loses that game, I think Tyreek and Allen are the two guys who really become interesting. Yeah, it's a field that just keeps changing week after week based on the matchups, and guys just fall out. Dak has a big loss, he yep. falls out. Brock Purdy has the big loss, he falls out. So if you're still rocking with us, congratulations, because that means you're probably here for championship week. And if you're not and you're still here with us, uh, congrats. You're absolutely nuts, and we appreciate you just as much as anybody. Let's jump into the Roto World headlines, of course. For all your Roto World player news, you can go to NBCSports.com. Let's continue, Jay, with Baltimore at San Francisco, which was, of course, headlined by Lamar Jackson's performance. 23 of 35, 252 yards, two touchdowns through the air, as he always does. Lamar gets it done on the ground, 45 rushing yards. And Zay Flowers, the big beneficiary of that, catches nine passes, 72 yards, and a touchdown in a game where the Ravens had everything working on both sides of the ball. Yeah, Lamar is just masterful in this game. Uh, and, I mean, it's the video game plays uh, with that, particularly that scramble uh, that we showed to start. Uh, he didn't make any mistakes, which obviously Purdy on the other side did. Uh, and, look, he's the... He certainly got the MVP in his hands after that performance. The funny thing was is that the first half, the Ravens couldn't really do anything in the first half. They had the awkward safety. San Francisco were favorites to win this game at halftime. They were minus 130 on the money line. And then Lamar came out, and then the Ravens just started moving the ball at will. And Zay Flowers, I think, is the story of the skill position players and his weapons, where he emerges, I mean, a legit number one wide receiver. Yeah, Matthew, they drafted Zay Flowers in the first round to at least be a number two this year after signing Odell Beckham Jr. But he's a guy that, when he has the ball in his hands he's absolutely electric and we saw that last night to the last three games he's had at least 20 fantasy points uh in week this past week he had a 38 percent target share that's his highest since week one they finally started to use him it's been a little bit inconsistent they treat a fine they find different guys there you know a couple weeks ago like likely has the big game and then you, you know all of a sudden nelson Aguilar and odell beckham jr and you know, I, I know in the Sunday night game that we had here at NBC, Zay Flowers didn't have the, the biggest game, but he's finding an impact. They're finding different ways to use him. And I will tell you that next year in fantasy, Zay Flowers is going to be a very popular sleeper for a lot of people, including uh, including me as well. But um, he's had at least a 25% target share in three of the last four. So Zay Flowers is suddenly becoming a big part of this offense, and he's one of the reasons why the Ravens are rolling, especially without Keaton Mitchell in the backfield. For all the Ravens' brilliance in this game, notably in the second half, like you said, Jay, the biggest story in it is the Niners, who were supposed to be unstoppable. They were five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. And we come out of this game with the storyline being Brock Purdy throwing the four interceptions. So let's hear from Kyle Shanahan after the game on his quarterback's tough night. Yeah, I, th- I mean, the one that he was off on was the first one. Um, just read the coverage wrong and... Didn't expect someone to be back there and made a bad decision on the first one. I thought, that, you know, the first one was a big mistake, and on the other three was um, pretty unfortunate for him. I didn't mind his demeanor. I mean, he stayed in there, kept battling. I mean, our kind of, you know, our whole team struggled there in the second half, so it just wasn't him. Um, I know he was disappointed not being able to finish it there, but getting in that stinger again, it was just wanted to keep him out of there and ready for him to bounce back next week. That was head coach Kyle Shanahan. After the game, Brock Purdy said, our team came ready to play, and for me to make some decisions like that, it's not fair to these guys. I have to realize that and understand that, and I have to get better for my team. Matthew, a tough week for Brock Purdy to have his fewest fantasy points in a game this season. Just brutal. He finishes the week with 2.4 fantasy points, um, QB 34, and I know, you know, I, I know there are people out there because I talked to one of them, one of my buddies, uh, text me says, I'm trying to decide between Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson for this game. You know, and we all liked Brock Purdy in this game. And, you know, I said, ah, it's a toss-up. I think I think Purdy has the floor. I'll be honest with you. I said Purdy has the floor, Jackson has the upside, so it depends on sort of what you need. Uh, my friend said thanks, and he ended up going with Purdy. I mean, just brutal, right? Just awful. And I know a lot of people out there that they rode Brock Purdy the fantasy championships only to have him in the most crucial moment in the fantasy semis and lose. And there were a number of guys like that throughout the weekend. If there's one big theme, I think, of Week 16, it's like it's big-name players not performing, right? Some guys did show up, uh, for example, and we'll talk about them as we get through the show. And obviously, Lamar was one of those guys that showed up, as was Zay Flowers. But, I mean, this is just a brutal performance from Brock Purdy, who, you know, 
honestly, you'd have been better off starting Jacoby Brissett this week. You'd have been better off starting Sam Darnold this week than Sam Darnold. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. I saw somebody on Twitter send to me, they said they were down nine. They were like, I w- it was like, you want to talk about a, like a holiday miracle. They were going into last night, they were down nine and they were facing a guy with Brock Purdy and all they had left was Justin Tucker. <laughs> and they won. I mean, you know, so it's just like, I mean, you just, again, fantasy football, you never know. Bad day at the office. Here's what's positive, though, for Brock Purdy. For anyone that manages to survive and have Brock Purdy on their team, uh, or, you know, Debo, who was a little bit disappointing last night as well. Look who's coming up on their schedule next. The Washington Commanders. And this is amazing, because I think about my Commanders, right? And um, here they are. They're terrible, right? They lose the Jets. We'll talk about that in a second. But now they've got a very angry, pissed off, very motivated 49ers team that just got embarrassed on national TV, and they're going to just take it out on somebody. Who's next? Who do we get? They get the Washington Commanders. This is sweet. I can't wait to see the massacre of my team. This is so sad and depressing. (laughs) Yeah, I think that... With Purdy, I mean, Purdy came into last night. He's minus 250 to win MVP. I thought he was the rightful MVP favorite. I think he would have won a vote that was held yesterday morning. Uh, His production was in a different stratosphere. But, I mean, Shanahan's explaining away those last three interceptions. Purdy could have thrown a couple more on top of that. He just seemed, after that first one to Hamilton, I understand some of these balls are tipped and the one where Stevens comes off the corner blitz, there's not much you can do about that one. But the others, like he shouldn't be letting go of the ball in these situations. Uh, When he slid that screen pass into McCaffrey on the left sideline in between a thicket of bodies, uh, it just seemed like he was just rattled after the first interception uh, and just the speed of the Ravens' defense. And this is the thing with Purdy is that we talked about this, is that he's been lighting up bad pass defenses. Been lining up the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Jags. Seattle's defense has struggled a bit lately. And now against Baltimore and Cleveland, the two best defenses in the NFL, he really struggled. So fantasy-wise, I think there's really a takeaway. He'll be fine against the Commanders. But, you know, Super Bowl-wise, uh, it has to be a little bit of a concern if he's going to see Baltimore in there. Well, oh, by the way, and the other thing is, right, I mean, he reacted poorly when he's under pressure. We can move on after this. But, like, the fact of the matter is is that Baltimore's line had their way with the Niners. Trent Williams leaves this game with an injury as well, which so much has talked about, you know, the Ravens and Lamar and how good they were and dominating they were and how bad Brock Purdy was. But, like, that's a significant loss if Trent Williams is going to miss any amount of time. He, he missed basically kind of the second half of the game there. And, like, look at what they did when Trent Williams was out earlier this year. That is – that's a massive, massive loss. They were banged up up and down that offensive line last night. For as bad as Purdy's night was, it's still salvaged guys like George Kittle having almost 20 points, Brandon Ayuk having over 17. Matthew, you mentioned the tough night for Debo, but obviously a great game for Kittle despite this offense having its struggles, specifically in the red zone as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, look, he had that big 58-yard reception in the first quarter. That was almost 46% of his total receiving yards. But a very nice game. Good day at the office for George Kittle. His best game uh, in, a week, in a week since week 11. Most fantasy points in a game since week 11 as well on George Kittle. So very nice to see. Again, you know, it, what, I think what, what was encouraging is, is that Kittle's production came with Brock Purdy under center. A lot of Ayuk stuff came with Sam Darnold in the game towards the later part of the game. And, of course, McCaffrey had that big run to lead him down on that one drive, uh, their one touchdown. So it was nice to see that even in a game in which Brock Purdy was struggling, George Kittle got his. Lastly, before we move on, I just want to say one quick thing. Everyone's pouring dirt on the 49ers, anointing the Ravens as the best team in football. If these two teams play in the Super Bowl, 49ers are going to be favorite. That's just how the market works. They're going to be two-and-a-half, three-point favorites, I'd expect. So wouldn't count out San Francisco no matter how bad last night. And their Super Bowl odds kind of indicate that, Jay. Yeah, there's still not a lot of 20. Right, not a lot of movement for San Francisco even after the bad game. We move over to the Browns, who Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper absolutely destroyed the Houston defense. Flacco, 368 yards, three touchdowns. Throws the two picks, as Flacco does, but it doesn't matter. He finishes QB3 on the weekend. And we got to hear Flacco after the game on the idea thrown to him of being comeback player of the year. Take a listen. This is a more awards time in the league. Talking about awards. You're actually being discussed as comeback player of the year. Can you consider this a comeback? Mark Emerson. 
who knows what constitutes as a comeback. I've only played three games. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, right, exactly. Come back from, you know, not going to training camp and busting kids around. I guess playing on the Jets the previous year now constitutes as a comeback player of the year candidate, Jay? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, that was from uh, a friend. Bobby Trossett, uh, who uh, does a great job and asked a fantastic question to Joe Flacco. I think the Flacco, look, it's an amazing story, and he was like, he was out of his mind against the Texans. Some of these throws were just insane. He's got a howitzer uh, still. He is, I mean, the Jets' defense is scared of Joe Flacco on Thursday night, I'll tell you that much. I don't think he's going to win comeback player of the year because I think that DeMar Hamlin, as we've said before, Connor, there's only two blokes who have ever come back from the dead. And yeah. uh, Jesus of Nazareth didn't have a comeback player of the year to win. So I think DeMar Hamlin is going to win that award. But Flacco, it's an incredible story. You see, he finishes the week as the number one quarterback in fantasy, which I know all too well because Matthew Berry had him on his team going against mine in the fantasy semifinals. But, uh, I mean, Flacco, that connection with Amari Cooper and just his ability to throw the ball downfield, I mean, I, you don't want to start him against the Jets, I guess, but uh, it certainly does have a higher ceiling than you'd ever have thought. I guess we could ask yeah, you, he, Matthew. Uh, he helped, Are yeah, you going to start him against the Jets? I, I think I have to because my only other option in our league is Sam Howell, um, who's playing the 49ers and who's, in, who's been benched in two straight games. So you see here, here's uh, here's the matchup. You see it there on your screen. Live at noon on the cock. Uh, that's uh, my team. We dispatched the stick, man. I thought I was going to lose. But uh, Joe Flacco had other ideas, as did Amon Ra, St. Brown, my fantasy ride or die, my buddy eight, C.D. Lamb, of course, one of the few bright spots for the Cowboys this week. It was not to be for... Um, for the stick man, Stefan Diggs did not have a good game, which we'll talk more about that later as well. That was that was absolutely brutal. Najee Harris didn't get you one touchdown. He didn't get you multiple. I, I thought for sure that was happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Flacco, unbelievable. But not only did he help me beat Jay, but he, Field Yates, used him against me in my ESPN Dynasty League and knocked me out. I lost by nine points. He, he you know, he tripled my Trevor Lawrence in that uh in that dynasty league um so uh look joe flacco unbelievable over the last four weeks is the cleveland starter right he's uh the seventh best quarterback in fantasy he's averaging almost 20 fantasy points per game he's had at least 300 passing yards and two touchdowns now in three straight games um he's in every single game that he's played for the cleveland browns he's got at least 42 pass attempts they're slinging it all over the place and that's going to be the big question we'll talk about this going uh, further on in the week but like he now has to play the Jets revenge game, hashtag revenge game for Joe Flacco on a short week. I, uh, In my case, I think I have to use him because, again, my only options are Sam Howell or Bailey Zappi just because we're in a two QB flex league where, like, everyone that is any good at all is snapped up. So it's those are my options. I also have Jalen Hurts, as you saw on your screen there, as my number one QB. But I think I am starting Flacco against the Jets and not feeling good about it. But uh, we'll talk about this more. But – I think as great a story as Joe Flacco is NFL-wise, an even better story fantasy-wise is what Amari Cooper did, putting fantasy teams on his back and leading them to the championship game. You see it there on your screen. The second-best fantasy performance this season, 51.5 fantasy points for Amari Cooper, and I would argue, and I think very successfully, it's the best fantasy performance of the year because it happened in week 16, a week in which, um, you know, you were fighting and so many big name players like Stefan Diggs for Jay or Cooper Cup or Stefan Diggs for me in the in the game that I lost to field. Right. Any of those like so many big names just didn't do anything. James Cook, Tony Pollard. We'll get into all these guys. So many people disappointed and Amari Cooper just absolutely crushed and saved your bacon if you had him. 51 and a half fantasy points as well. It's his fourth career game with over 200 receiving yards. In two or four games with Joe Flacco, he's got a 30% target share. This is a guy who obviously has a connection with Flacco as well. And I do feel like they move Cooper around enough, Connor, that they'll try to get him in matchups where he isn't seeing DJ Reed or Sauce Gardner because as we've talked about, those guys are stationary. They don't follow a specific wide receiver. They won't trail. They typically don't. I mean, even the game against Miami two weeks ago, they didn't have Sauce cover Waddle when Reed wasn't feeling that well. So 
I don't think it's any scenario where you're considering sitting Amari Cooper after this historic fantasy performance, and you probably feel okay about him in this short week matchup. Yeah, absolutely. And look, he is someone who, he's one of the more kind of anonymous stars in the league. I think it's because he doesn't really, like if you picture Amari Cooper, what jersey do you picture him wearing? I I picture him as an Oakland Raider. Uh, And then he has a stint in Dallas in between now going to Cleveland. But the thing is, is that like Steven Nelson, Derek Stingley, they're not bad corners. And the coverage wasn't terrible on some of these plays. Amari was just catching absolutely everything. So I think he's locked in, yeah to start him even against the Jets, clearly. Two quick things. Number one is, obviously, Amari Cooper drinks for free, by the way. Congratulations. You know, just want to congratulate Amari Cooper, obviously. He drinks for free at the happy hour. But more importantly, you know, it's interesting. I saw somebody uh, tweet this out. I think my uh, my buddy Matthew Friedman tweeted this out. Uh, but if uh, he said, basically, if the Cowboys don't trade Amari Cooper, they beat Miami. What do you think about that, Connor? I think it's probably pretty fair. Easily, where, where are the Cowboys as you see Amari Cooper drinks free? As we said, I, I mean, where are the Cowboys right now if it's CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper in this offensive attack? It's completely ridiculous. It's, a, I mean, it's insane to think about. In, in football. They, yeah. There's an argument that they would be the Super Bowl favorites. I know it's weird to say that about one wide receiver added to the team. He's or at stopped. least yeah. in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, the right upgrade there. from Brandon Cooks or Michael Who's been Gallup good. To, yeah, I mean, these guys have been fine. But Amari Cooper's playing at a, a top 10, 12 yeah. receiver in football level at the moment. Yeah. It's unbelievable. All right, our next game here, speaking of those Cowboys, the Cowboys with a tough loss to Miami, really a goal line fumble by Hunter Lepke, uh, the difference in this one. But we'll start with the Miami offense, Raheem Mostert. Pretty pedestrian day for Raheem Mostert, Jay, but he catches the touchdown, which saves it, while Devon Achan, not much going for him at all in a game that Tyreek Hill, even on a bum ankle, was the Dolphins' offense, as he often is. Yep. Here's the crazy thing about Tyreek is that he didn't have any bomb plays. He still caught nine passes for 99 yards. He was decisive. He won them the game effectively on the final drive. And also, he really should have had like a 95-yard touchdown yes. on the first drive. <laughs> that was just, I don't know if it was thrown the wrong shoulder or he misread it, but that's just how incredible Tyreek Hill is, just his gravity and the fact that he's able to put up that stat line without relying on a bomb. Elsewhere on the Miami offense, I mean, Raheem Mostert got banged up in this game, came back in, catches the touchdown, still tied for the NFL lead in touchdowns with Christian McCaffrey at 21. Devin Achan just hasn't just hasn't delivered since coming back from his injury. Raheem is still clearly the guy in that backfield. Matthew, what'd you think of the day for the Miami running backs, especially Achan, who you know has been a fantasy star at times this season, but now has been held in check for the most part since returning from injuries. Yeah, to me, that's the bigger concern. Now, look, the Cowboys' defense played really well. You know, we talked about this earlier in the week that we we thought, you know, when we did our futures segment. The, you know, um, last week, I took the under in this game. That was my bet was the under, which at the time was 51 and a half for Dolphins, Cowboys. And I'm like, I don't I think these are two good defenses. I think it's going to play uh, play play much, you know, tighter than the spread. And the, the line is indicating here. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game that ended up cashing as well. And to that point, they bottle up this run defense as well. Mostert gets you the touchdown as well. But honestly, under 50, you know, basically 50 total yards for Mostert. He's now had under 50 rushing yards in three of the past four. Just played 30% of the snaps against the Cowboys. Obviously, that leg injury you mentioned, Connor. But Achan's the bigger concern, right? He's now been under 35 rushing yards in two straight games. He had just 27% of the team rushes against Dallas. He's been under 35% now in three straight. Fewest receptions in a game since week 11. Single-digit fantasy points in back back-to-back games I, I think you're still starting Mostert next week um, at Baltimore but I don't feel great about HN especially given how good the Ravens are playing defensively honestly I thought they did a really good job I know this sounds crazy to say but I thought the Ravens did a really good job of bottling up Christian McCaffrey once he consider you know on a, when you're grading on a scale I mean because McCaffrey is McCaffrey and like he mostly had w- that one big run but, you know, like they didn't, he didn't really kill you. Like he still had a good fantasy day and he got the touchdown and a couple of dump off passes. But the truth of the matter is, is that I thought when you consider how amazing McCaffrey is, I thought the Ravens did a pretty good job of bottling him up. And so, given the lack of production from HN recently, the lack of usage, he's somebody that's, you know, I don't think he's a must start next week in the fantasy playoffs. 
On the Dallas side of things, an average day for Dak Prescott, but a typical day for C.D. Lamb, Jay. I mean, six catches, 118 yards, and the touchdown. He also gets involved with the run game. It's 14 yards there. This is CeeDee Lamb's offense. Yeah, it is. I mean, magnificent touchdown in the first half. He's kind of anonymous in the second and third quarters, but then came back into it at the end. Really tough day for Tony Pollard, who I think is probably the fantasy LVP this year relative to uh, his ADP. He goes 12 for 38, just the one catch for five yards. With Dak... I thought Dak was really good in this game. Even though the stats weren't great, he leads them down the field at the end. Kind of shows you how silly MVP is. Whereas if Micah Parsons gets a strip sack on that last Dolphins drive, then Dak is your second favorite for MVP right now. If uh, Sean McDermott doesn't have 12 men on the field against uh, the Broncos (laughs) and Jake Elliott doesn't make the 59-yarder, Josh Allen's your runaway MVP favorite. But I thought Dak was really solid. It was impressive that he was able to have a solid game outdoors against a really tough defense. I think he's just going to pulverize the Detroit Lions back home on Saturday night. So you're starting all your Cowboys as usual in that game. Okay, let's move over to Giants-Eagles here. Can Uh, I just take one minute here? Sure, please. Can I just take one minute here, Connor? Just to complain about Tony Pollard. He was was suggested to me as a fantasy ride or die. I rejected it. Candidly, I rejected it because I thought it was too obvious. But um, I think you. I think it is a very strong argument that the biggest bust in fantasy football this year, non-health related, has been Tony Pollard. Because certainly people were drafted high and haven't performed, but they got injured, what have you. But for somebody that stayed healthy all year long, Tony Pollard, who was uh, who was drafted as um, basically 15th overall, you know, kind of in the in the middle of the second round, he was a top 10 running back drafted. He was often gone went five or six. Uh, I saw among running backs. He's running back 22 on the season, outside the top 20. For the season, he has 64 touches in the red zone. That's second most in the NFL, right? 64 red zone touches, second most in the NFL. He's converted 6% of them into touchdown. Rico Dowdle has the same amount of touchdowns in the red zone on 47 fewer touches. Think about that. Tony Pollard has 47 more touches in the red zone than Rico Dowdle. They have the same amount of red zone touches. Here's some of the people that have more red zone touchdowns than Tony Pollard this year. Najee Harris, Juba Hubbard, Jarek McKinnon, Deontay Foreman, who was inactive for the first month and a half of the season and who missed uh, yesterday due to a personal matter. I mean, Pollard has been so absolutely brutal. He is um, uh, he's averaging just 13.3 fantasy points per game. By the way, those running backs that I just mentioned, Hubbard, McKinnon, Foreman, Harris, Najee Harris, they all have fewer than 35 red zone touches. So here's a guy, 67, 64 red zone touches converted to 6% of them, and you saw it against the Dolphins as well. He gets a sweep. He's got the edge. All he has to do is pick the right angle. Like he could have beaten the guy to the, um, to the corner, to the pylon. Instead, he cuts it inside, gets tackled at the one-inch line, doesn't get a touchdown. Now, you're saying, Barry, why are you bitter? Why are you so angry? Did you have him on a fantasy team? Did you have him in a playoff that you needed him to uh, to come through for you? And the answer is yes. You're damn right I did. Yeah, it's awful. Brutal. Brutal. It's, up, it's very upsetting. It's one thing It's one thing if you have offensive line issues, if you get hurt. If it, but, like, he's gotten opportunities. He's gotten massive amounts of opportunities, and he just hasn't converted. He's been bad this year, guys. He's been bad on an offense of the Cowboys that overall has been good. I'm just – anyway, I'm very bitter about Tony Pollard. He single-handedly killed one team that should have won a championship. I was in an expert league, and I was in the semifinals, and I would have won. But instead, I had James Cook and Tony Pollard, and they combined for 10 points. It's a very deep league where you start like six wide receivers. It's a crazy league. And the guy that was playing, Jared Smola, shout out to my buddy Jared Smola over at Draft Sharks. That's a great job. Jared Smola started Justin Watson. Justin Watson had more fantasy points than Tony Pollard and James Cook combined. That was the kind of day it was for me. Okay, it's all noted, man. If Tony Pollard scores that touchdown, I move on. Oh, by the way, and if Darren Waller, like if Tommy, if, if stupid Tyrod Taylor hits Darren Waller, Perfect segue. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I would have won as well because it's a tight end premium league and I had to start Darren Wall. It's a super deep, crazy deep league anyway. Congratulations to Jared Smola for being smart enough not to draft Tony Pollard, who was awful this year. Good job, Jared. 
Perfect segue to Giants-Eagles. Jay, the Eagles hold on in a game that it feels like the Giants had no business being in. Tommy DeVito gets benched, uh, breaks, which breaks all the hearts of all the Italian-Americans in North Jersey. Tyrod Taylor comes in. Things get kind of interesting. Jalen Hurts, a fine fantasy day, a pretty standard Jalen Hurts fantasy day for this season. But um, overall, it was you know DeAndre Swift show. Saquon Barkley was fine in this one. It's just bizarre that the Eagles, this was a sweat for them. Yeah, I just think the Eagles' pass defense is just broken. Like, there's just nothing there the way that Slayton gets open at the end to make it a game again. And the Eagles right now, Jalen Hurts just doesn't look right. He doesn't look like the same guy as last year. He's not stepping up in the pocket. He's like strafing to the side constantly. He Look, I think this Eagles team from a fantasy perspective is maybe the most simplified, easy-to-understand team uh, in the NFL because you start Hurts, you start Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and yep. you start DeAndre Swift, even though you know that he's, uh, he's going to get vultured at the one, as he did again in this game, though he did get in the end zone with 20 carries. And Gainwell had a nice little game with his little burst, but for the most part, it's really just the known commodities that you can trust on this team, uh, and there's not too much else to say, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think you're, you know, that's the thing is that, like, you know, they play Arizona next week. It should be another get right game for this offense. Um, you're starting the obvious guys. You're starting, you're starting Hertz, Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and DeAndre Swift. It is worth noting that, um, he's had, he's had 22, this is DeAndre Swift. He's had 22 goal to go carries this season. He's converted four of them, four of 22. In goal line rushes into touchdowns. So when you have a play that is insto- as, as as unstoppable as the brotherly shove, the tush push, whatever you want to call it, it's hard to argue they should be giving it to DeAndre Swift. You know the fact of the matter is is that Swift has just been bad in that role. But from you know up until you know for the first ninety nine yards of the field, DeAndre Swift is like the best running back in football. Just when he gets the one, he uh, he can't do it. He's now had two or fewer receptions in five consecutive games. Again. He's, we talked about this all last week. He ended up get in, getting into the end zone here. But even in the game in which he got 20 rushes, he gets 92 yards and a touchdown, he's still running back 14 on the week, which is fine. But, like, for a guy that ran for almost 100 yards and a touchdown, you'd expect better than running back 14. He just He's not involved in the passing game, and he's going to get vultured a lot at the goal line. So he remains a mid-to-low-tier RB2. There's just nothing else he can do about it there uh, as well. Kind of crazy to think about, though, by the way, just to bring this up one last time. Jalen Hurts was... I, I played the stickman. I played Jay, right, in a, in a battle of good versus evil for our show league. And um, my two quarterbacks were Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. Jalen Hurts finishes the week as QB7, Joe Flacco QB3. Jalen Hurts was the second-best quarterback on my fantasy team, um, but still enough to dispatch the uh, the stickmen. Matthew, the uh, Barry Rogers Bowl, Commanders Jets, lived up to every bit of the hype. And we talked about Amari Cooper being a fantasy playoff hero. You could say the same for Brees Hall. I know you're thrilled the Commanders pull off a loss after a scary comeback. Brees Hall, 20 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns, but 12 receptions for an additional 96 yards. Brees was the offense with Trevor Simeon under center. He's now had 26 fantasy points in two of the past three games as well. He's the only running back with 20 rushes and 10 or more receptions in a game this season. The first, you'd have thought maybe um, Alvin Kamara had gotten there, but no, Alvin Kamara hasn't done that himself since 2021. So, you know, Captain Checkdown, Trevor Simeon. And I just, I love Brees Hall. You know, he was somebody that we had on the love list. We thought would have a very good game. He shows up in just a massive way, just a huge way here for um, uh, for the Jets and honestly for the Commanders. Because look, we had no business <laughs> winning this game. We're not going anywhere. We should have lost this game. We, we had Sam Howell in there. It was all going according to plan. Uh, I had bet Jay, uh, you know, Jets minus three. It was all going according to plan. And then Ron Rivera stupidly throws in Jacoby Reset and suddenly makes it a competitive game. What are we doing? Why are we trying to win? Absolutely not. The tank needs to be on. What are we doing? What are we doing, Ron? But luckily, that last drive, a master class um, in, uh, in tanking history, uh, and uh, Simeon able to drive them down. Uh, Zerline kicks the game-winning field goal. And um, I, will rem- I have already forgotten this loss. 
but I remember Marvin Harrison Jr. in a commander's uniform for the next 15 years. <laughs> uh, well said, Matthew. Or Drake May, if he wants Drake May or uh, Caleb Williams, if they end up falling to us. I don't care. I don't know who we're getting at three. I just know that person's going to be awesome. And thank you to the Jets for sending their franchise back a little while. God bless. Although, although Jay does win the uh, ultimately ends up winning the bet, which is ridiculous because if you go back and watch the tape, I, we're just talking Jets commanders, and we shake on it. And as we shake on it, Jet, he, Jake sort of throws it in there. Oh, yeah, I'll give you Jets minus three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, like, we didn't really talk line because these were evenly matched teams. The line went back and forth, but whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm vi- Hell to the commanders. Hail victory. It's a handshake agreement. You don't Great get loss. the favorite at minus 140. <laughs> you get the line. That's, that's how it goes. It is, uh, it is terrifying to think about what Brees Hall is going to look like next year with a real quarterback. I mean, McCaffrey's obviously a number one running back, but... Uh, I mean, Brees Hall's going to have an argument for number two, I think. Just the volume fully removed yes. from that yeah. knee injury is what stands out to yeah. me in the past game, and we know what kind of player he is as a runner. That's a great call on Brees Hall next year. With Aaron Rodgers there and another a year removed, like he's going to be in the top five, especially because a lot of the bigger-name running backs that normally go, the Ecklers, the Pollers, are the, you know, they've all really disappointed. So, um, I mean... James Cook might be up there. I don't know that there's much to take away from the nine. I mean, from the commanders real quickly, just because I know Chris Rodriguez gets in the end zone twice. He got Antonio Gibson. Well, I doesn't look like Brian Robinson's going to play. They're playing the Niners. They're playing an angry Niners team this week. So I just, I don't know that there's any commander that you feel great about starting, even though they put up some points in a couple of moments here against the, uh, against the Jets. Our we'll final... talk about that more as the week goes on. Yes, we will. Our final game, Packers-Panthers. A little bit of a scare for Green Bay in this one, Jay. Good day for Bryce Young, but ultimately the highlight was Aaron Jones topping 100 yards, uh, 127 yards for Aaron Jones, who gets it done on the ground in a definitely a sweaty one for the Packers. Yeah, the Packers aren't very good at the moment. Uh, I think the key thing here is just that Aaron Jones got 21 carries, just with what he's been dealing with health-wise. Right. His ability to take that workload was awesome. But to me, the biggest story out of this game was the fact that Bryce Young looked like a real NFL quarterback. He had a PFF grade in the 80s. He has 110 passer rating, 78 QBR. And the Packers don't have a great defense, but Bryce Young hasn't been able to do this against bad defenses right. in the past. So I think that's really encouraging going forward for him. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, and honestly, yeah, like Matthew. I, I would have liked to have seen a re- replay of that last play. Like I thought he got it spiked down with one second left. You know, it was interesting. Like I would have liked to see. I don't know. Seem it was a weird one. The interesting thing about Aaron Jones, I'm I'm with you, Jay, in terms of the fact that he got the he got ultimately 22 touches. It's weird they didn't use him in the in the passing game more. Um, but he looked like Aaron Jones. This is what happens when you free Aaron Jones. Good things happen as well. Unfortunately, he doesn't get into the end zone. I desperately needed Aaron Jones. Uh, in the league where I had Cup and Diggs and they, I lost a field. Like, seriously, if I get the second touchdown from McCaffrey or uh, any I – mean, eight million different things could have happened I would have won, and literally none of them did. Um, DJ Shark has a big game here with Bryce Young on her center. Eight targets, his second game this year. He, he's had at least 18 fantasy points in both those games. I don't know that you're trusting that at Jacksonville, even though revenge game for DJ Shark – uh next week as well and bryce young looking better but good day at the office uh there i i don't know i i just on the road at jacksonville i that one would be tough as well but uh chuba hubbard continues to get a lot of work and look like a you know a workhorse back he had a nice game as well uh and he ended up getting into the end zone for the panthers before we go to break, let's take a look at some notable injuries we're tracking coming out of the holiday weekend. Trevor Lawrence now with a right shoulder. Trevor Lawrence has had just about every injury in the book <laughs> this year. Have. Yeah, and he's playing through them all to his credit. Jalen Waddle, that's a serious he bad, one. Though. He has been bad. Jalen Waddle, that has moved to being a high ankle. Jalen Waddle's status for the rest of the season is looking doubtful right now, but we'll have more on these throughout the week. Same for TJ Hawkinson with the knee, a significant injury. Jordan Addison with the ankle. Dontavian Wicks with a chest injury. Cole Komet with the knee. Cortland Sutton in concussion protocol. Same for Isaiah Pacheco. And Brock Purdy had a stinger, obviously. He's okay. We're taking our first break. When we're back, waiver wired. If you need some help for your final fantasy matchup of the season, we're here to get that done right after this. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Get your weekday started with Bet the Edge. Join Jay and Drew Dinzik as they tackle the biggest games from every angle in the NFL, NBA, and more. So whether you're targeting spreads and totals, looking for value in futures markets, or circling player props, Jay and Drew have you covered with new episodes every weekday at 6 a.m. Eastern. I don't look right with facial hair. 6 a.m.? Like uh, well, that's when it comes out. We you do have to tell before. the people that. Why does my facial hair look like Leonardo DiCaprio on The Departed? Yes. But worse. You got anyway, the shadow yeah, we'll going on, on there. We'll work on that. All right, waiver wired running backs. Once again, if you're still here and you need some help, congrats to you. How about we start with Samir White against the Colts this week, available in 70% of leagues. The Josh Jacobs injury tracking this week, Jay, was uh, a bit of a thriller of a movie. It felt like Antonio Pierce was confident Jacobs would play. It was trending the right way. Then he ultimately doesn't play. And Zamir White and fantasy managers that had Zamir White benefit from that in his 145 rushing yards. It's been the strangest Raiders season. They no. fire their coach. Jimmy Garoppolo's the quarterback. Brian Hoyer was the quarterback. Two weeks ago, they lost 3 nothing to the Vikings. Josh Dobbs, who's now bench, it's just bizarre. And now all of a sudden, Zamir White is the best running back in the NFL. They just completely gashed the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, they... They were selling out to stop the run, and they still just couldn't stop it. So Zamir White, who knows what's going on with Jacobs' health, but, I mean, Zamir White, I think he just has to be started if Jacobs isn't going to be able to go. Yeah, Matthew, he's your top running back waiver ad this week, correct? Yeah, he's obvious. But, you know, what's amazing is because so many people thought uh, so many people thought that Josh Jacobs was going to play this week, and, you know, obviously it was a Monday game. And so Samir White is still available in 70% of leagues, and I think that's a result of both people thinking, oh, you know, it was one week, but, you know, Jacobs is going to be back. And then also, obviously, uh, you know, you most, most leagues only had four teams playing this week, but still 70% available. Uh, over the last two weeks with Josh Jacobs out, he's gotten 42 touches, which is 80% of the Raiders running back touches. And, oh, by the way, he plays the Colts this week. Over the last month, only one team in the NFL gives up more fantasy points per game to opposing running backs than the Indianapolis Colts. So if Jacobs were to be out again, Zamir White would be a top 15 play, an easy top 15 play against Indy. So, yes, obviously, even if, by the way, you don't need him, I would still pick him up. Again, your, your whole goal this week is to beat whoever you have in the finals. So I, I, if you don't need anyone – Block your opponent from picking up somebody that they do need. Uh, you know, again, a good defense can be the best offense. Two other ones here, Matthew. Khalil Herbert, only available in 55% of leagues, but you brought up Deontay Foreman out for personal reasons. Khalil Herbert benefits from that. 21 touches, 121 yards, the touchdown, and then Kenneth Gainwell as well, who has the nice day against the Giants because he's more available league-wide. Yeah, both guys, again, we don't know if Foreman's personal issue is going to keep him out again this week as well, but that came out Saturday night and he ended up not playing. And, you know, Khalil Herbert did what good running backs do against Arizona. Like, he continued to crush. Now he plays Atlanta this week. It's not a matchup that scares you as well. And so if Foreman were to miss again, we have more clarity on that backfield. Herbert would be the guy you mentioned, Gainwell. Continue to get more and more work here for the Eagles down the stretch. Uh, 79 scrimmage yards, played 44% of the snaps over the last four games. So he's starting to get more work. And, oh, look who's on the schedule, the Arizona Cardinals. No team in the NFL has given up more fantasy points to opposing running backs than the Arizona Cardinals. So Kenneth Gainwell, certainly flexible in a championship week if you're in a pinch. Just with Gainwell, the thing with the Eagles is they haven't blown anyone out this year. No. Last year they were destroying no. everyone and so this year their only real blowout win was beating the Bucks by 14. They beat Miami by 14. I think that was a Sunday night football game but that was, that was close-ish. It wasn't really a blowout and so the fact that Gainwell he may get in the game later in this one assuming they are up big uh, I think is interesting. Jay with the wide receivers Demarcus Robinson available in 90% of leagues. He's against that giant secondary that we know wide receivers can do to them. He scored in four straight weeks in this Rams passing attack. Yeah, and I just think the ceiling with him and the upside, he's a very high-variance player. He's an absolute monster against Vegas on Thursday night. And he's the type of guy where, you know, if you're in a similar situation to the stick man and you need to take down Live Noon on the cock and you've got the inferior team, this is the type of guy that you should go for, I think, just because he does have that upside because Stafford is playing at such a high level at the moment. And also, he's shown that he can support three wide receivers between Puka, Cup, and Robinson. I mean, he was the better he was the better wide receiver. I mean, I, I, in in that dynasty league semifinal that I lost, I had Demarcus Robinson sitting on my bench while I started Cooper Cup. I wish I had 
switch that, obviously. Look, I mean, it is what it is. You're never going to bench Cooper Cup. But the fact is, is that since week 13, Demarcus Robinson is the 14th best wide receiver in fantasy. Now, that's been supported by the touchdowns. Connor, as you mentioned, he scored in four straight. But there's clearly a connection between him and Stafford. And Demarcus Robinson, whether it's with Baltimore last year or with Mahomes and the Chiefs earlier in his career, the fact is is that when he's gotten opportunities, he has produced. And it feels like, as Tutu Atwell has been banged up, he's found something, that Sean McVay has found something between Stafford and Demarcus Robinson. So little bit of a deeper guy but yes if you are if you need some variance if you're if you know like you probably wouldn't do this but honestly like if i said to you a jay and connor who should i start this week demarcus robinson or stefan diggs i know that sounds insane but the fact is is that diggs has been brutal for seven weeks in a row and we just talked about it for a month now demarcus robinson has been a top 15 wide receiver Again, you're probably still starting digs, but the fact that that's even a question, the fact that you could legitimately ask that question and not be like, what are you talking about? Just gives you an idea of how far Demarcus Robinson has come in this offense and in fantasy. You mentioned the Giants matchup. Giants have allowed the six most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Another option here, Matthew DeMario Douglas. I would imagine this is more of a floor play compared to Robinson's ceiling play. Yeah, look, I, look, DeMario Douglas is sort of their offense, right? He's now had at least five receptions in five of the past six games. He's averaging double the fantasy points in the last six games played. And so, you know, they're playing Buffalo, and they're likely going to have to move the ball against the Bills. So credit Bailey Zappi, who has been just good enough to keep the chains moving and move the ball. Over at tight end here, Jay, Gerald Everett tops the list. Available in 58% of leagues, he's got the Broncos, but... Right now, tight end, we know how all over the place this position can be. And with the stick man under center, Everett's involved. Yeah, and the thing with Everett is that, one, there's just no other human beings left on the charges. Like, it's just Tim, it's just Farmer, <laughs> there's it. not much else going on. Two, he's had eight targets each of the past two weeks. And the good thing there is that two completely different games, completely different game scripts. The Buffalo game was close. The Raiders game, obviously, they gave up 63 points, so they got blown out. So I think that he's shown that he has a connection with stick to the point where I think you do much, much worse at tight end than a guy who's getting eight targets a game. Last three games, he's had a 23% target share, and you love the matchup with Denver. Broncos allow the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Our next one, with Musgrave, Luke Musgrave out on the Packers, the other tight end they took this year after Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, has been a mainstay in their offense. While Musgrave has been out, he's been the 13th best fantasy tight end as well. 10.5 fantasy points per game in three straight games where he's had at least 55 receiving yards. And by the way, think about this Packers offense. Last game, Jaden Reed did not play. Christian Watson did not play. Dontavian Wicks gets banged up in the middle of it. I don't know who's catching passes for the Packers. Even if Musgrave comes back, I think Tucker Craft has earned a role in this offense, and you could see them maybe go to two tight end sets. Again, we'll see. Like, other than Romeo Dobbs, they just don't have anyone left. You know I mean? Like, looking at Malik Heath, what are we doing here? I mean, like, it's just – so um, I do think Tucker Craft is kind of interesting at Minnesota on Sunday night. At quarterback, Jay, Derek Carr, available in 61% of leagues. He's coming off the three-touchdown performance. Back-to-back games with 20-plus fantasy points. You know a thing or two about starting Derek Carr. Yeah, fantasy. very bittersweet that the two names on our list here for quarterback are Derek Carr and Nick Mullins, a.k.a. <laughs> the two uh, champions of the stickman. They did their job, Connor. Stefan Diggs didn't. Travis Etienne didn't, among others. But Carr, I mean, the fact that Chris Olave is fully healthy and had a monster game, I think, bodes well. And also, I know the Bucks they played well against the Jags defensively, but I think that says more about the Jags than the Bucks. This Bucks pass day has been terrible all year. They've been vulnerable deep. So I think that Carr is a very viable option. And so is Nick Mullins against the defense that just triggered Bryce Young's best ever game only ever good game yeah the only concern on Mullins is just you know will he have Jordan Addison will he have TJ Hawkinson right now it's not looking great but he does still have Justin Jefferson uh, and a uh, who cares somebody's down there somewhere attitude over the last four weeks by the way the Packers allow over 20 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks you just saw Bryce Young kind of light him up as well so Nick Mullins with 714 passing yards in his past two games becomes a viable streamer on Sunday night. Speaking of uh, some defensive streamers as well, very quickly, Jaguars against Carolina, the Rams at the Giants, and the Bears at home against Atlanta, all of them available in at least 65% of Yahoo leagues. We're going to take one more break. When we're back, we got our Back to the Futures bets for you, as we always do, talking Coach of the Year, a little NFL draft, and a conference champion right after this. 
NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code BARRY when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It is that time of the week, as we always do on Tuesdays, a little Back to the Futures action. Jay, you've been all over the Coach of the Year market this year. What are you looking at now? Looking at Kevin Stefanski at plus 200, who is the second favorite in this market behind Dan Campbell. I think Stefanski should be the favorite. One, uh, do you know how many of their Week 1 starters they were down by the end of last game, Connor? Nine. Nine of their Week 1 starters are out injured. They are completely decimated. They lost Nick Chubb. They lost to Sean Watson, their franchise quarterback. They're down both their starting tackles, both safeties. They're all done for the year. And they're 10-5. and five. They beat San Francisco with P.J. Walker. They went into Baltimore, beat that team too. He's got wins with four different starting quarterbacks. Uh, two of them are Joe Flacco, uh, who was on the couch, and then P.J. Walker, who might be the worst quarterback in the league. Uh, I just think it's the fancy. His story is too ridiculous. I think he should be favored to win this award. I'm with you. I like it. All right. For me, I'm going looking at the NFL draft. The first overall pick right now, Caleb Williams, is the favorite at minus 650. Drake Mays at plus 475. Teams haven't even met with either of them yet. The coaching staffs haven't done their evaluations, just the scouts have. This should be a lot closer to maybe not a pick, but Drake May should be plus 200, plus 150. I cannot believe how far apart they are right now. And I've talked to enough people to think some teams have Drake May as the top guy. Some teams have Caleb Williams as the top guy. I know one team that likes Jaden Daniels a yeah. lot. So this is way off. There is value in the draft market. Matthew, what are you looking at? Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the guys that wasn't mentioned on the, that Coach of the Year graphic, but probably should be, is Sean McVay. The Rams were left for dead. Oh, they're rebuilding. Oh, they've traded all their draft picks. They don't have anyone. You know, Stafford's a shell of himself. And honestly, the Rams have been really good. So if you're not going to bet them to win Coach of the Year, how about the Rams to win the NFC at 30-1? to 1? I think the 49ers showed last night they're vulnerable, like in the right way. So Rams played them tough earlier in the season. They're going to play them in Week 18 as well. And so you think about the, the one time the Rams played the Niners in the playoffs, and this is going to be basically like a playoff game, like the Rams won. And so I think there's a chance where – even if the Niners win in week 17, at week 18, and the Rams get in, it's tough to beat a team three times in a row. And so could the Rams beat the Niners that third time in the playoffs and win the NFC? I like the Rams at 30 to 1 to win the NFC as a bet on the futures. Yep. I like that too, because just with the way the bracket is structured too, the Rams aren't going to get to the five seed. That's Dallas. So then assuming that San Francisco get the one seed, Rams get to avoid San Francisco until the NFC title game. And the Rams can absolutely beat Detroit or Philadelphia the way those two teams are playing and their vulnerabilities defensively. So, uh, yeah, I think the Rams are pretty live. Uh, it's a long shot. Yeah, and we've seen Sean McVay's been there before. I think people are discounting that as well. As he's played in these big games. He's schemed for these big games. As bad as the defense can be at times, that offense can keep up with anyone right now, Matthew. I was just going to say that I feel much worse about Philadelphia's chances after yesterday's win. Again, like they, right. they keep losing, and then they honestly, that game should not have been close at all. And honestly, if Tyrod Taylor hits Darren Waller in stride, it's a much closer game. I, I mean, like, if I'm the Eagles, I'm panicking. They do not have a defense, and you can't win the NFC without a defense. All right, that's it for us, for Matthew out there in the world. For Jay, I'm Connor. We'll be back tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time on Peacock. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. When you say, when you say yes. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.